and in the Tiananmen Square with giant portraits of men or not giants. The personality cult, a cult of devils as well as heroes, thrives in both East and West. The crisis of leadership today is the mediocrity or irresponsibility of so many of the men and women in power. But leadership rarely rises to the full need for it. The fundamental crisis underlying mediocrity is intellectual. If we know all too much about our leaders, we know far too little about leadership. We fail to grasp the essence of leadership that is relevant to the modern age, and hence we cannot agree even on the standards by which to measure, recruit, and reject it. Is leadership simply innovation, cultural or political? Is it essentially inspiration, mobilization of followers, goal-setting, goal-fulfillment? Is a leader the definer of values, satisfier of needs? If leaders require followers, who leads whom from where to where, and why? How do leaders lead followers without being wholly led by followers? Leadership is one of the most observed and least understood phenomena on earth. It was not always so. For two millennia at least, leaders of thought did grapple with the vexing problems of the rulers versus the ruled. Long before modern sociology, Plato analyzed not only philosopher kings, but the influences on rulers of upbringing, social and economic institutions, and responses of followers. Long before today's calls for moral leadership and profiles in courage, Confucian thinkers were examining the concept of leadership in moral teaching and by example. Long before Gandhi, Christian thinkers were preaching nonviolence. Long before modern biography, Plutarch was writing brilliantly about the lives of a host of Roman and Greek rulers and orators, arguing that philosophers ought to converse especially with men in power, and examining questions such as whether an old man should engage in public affairs. From this biographer, Shakespeare borrowed for his Antony and Cleopatra. A rich literature on rulership flourished in the classical and Middle Ages. Later, for reasons we must examine, the study of rulership and leadership ran into serious intellectual difficulties. Leadership as a concept has dissolved into small and discreet meanings. A recent study turned up 130 definitions of the word. A superabundance of facts about leaders far outruns theories of leadership. The world-famous New York Public Library has tens of thousands of biographies, monographs, and newspaper clippings on individual political leaders but only one catalog entry to political leadership, referring to an obscure politician of forty years ago. There is, in short, no school of leadership, intellectual or practical. Does it matter that we lack standards for assessing past, present, and potential leaders? Without a powerful modern philosophical tradition, without theoretical and empirical accumulation, without guiding concepts, and without considered practical experiences, we lack the very foundations for knowledge of a phenomenon. Leadership in the arts, the academy, science, politics, 
the professions, war, that touches and shapes our lives. Without such standards and knowledge, we cannot make vital distinctions between types of leaders. We cannot distinguish leaders from rulers, from power wielders, and from despots. Hitler called himself, and was called, the leader. His grotesque Führerprinzip is solemnly examined as a doctrine of leadership. But Hitler, once he gained power and crushed all opposition, was no leader. He was a tyrant. A leader and a tyrant are polar opposites. Although we have no school of leadership, we do have in rich abundance and variety the makings of such a school. An immense reservoir of data and analysis and theories has been developed. No central concept of leadership has yet emerged. In